In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Friends, ladies, gentlemen, my brothers and sisters, my nieces and my nephews and my aunts and my uncles, thank you for taking a moment to hang out for a minute. Salvation. It's a pretty big concept, isn't it? It's something that, if you just take a few minutes to think about, it can be totally mind-blowing. It could be mind-numbing. It can be something that you could think about for hours on end. There's a lot of different ways to describe it. There's a lot of different ways to think about it. The older you get, I believe, the more time you spend trying to define this crazy concept we call salvation. What do you think about when I say the word salvation? When you close your eyes, do you see streaks of light? Is that your salvation? How about music? Do you find salvation in music? Maybe you find salvation in the kind words whispered by your lover. Maybe you find salvation in the eyes of your children. Maybe you find it in a moment of quietness. Everyone finds it somewhere different. Salvation speaks to all of us. And there's plenty of definitions. I'm working on a new book and I'm thinking about this particular concept and how it fits in how how is it that people will identify with salvation what can i say to you to make you think of salvation so i've got a little passage right here i want to share with you i'm kind of working out some material so let me see what you think salvation only after you have had an intimate passionate relationship with death can you awaken to your own ideas, the realization that everything is your creation. I've seen it, salvation. I've seen it a few times. It's fleeting, just a passing glance. Once was when I was young at Salvation Mountain. 
For those of you that don't know, in California, there's a place called Salvation Mountain. It seems like the furthest, furthest thing from salvation. It's way out in the desert, close to Arizona, in a place called Slab City, one of the last free places on earth. Think of scorching desert with nothing, not even cactus really, just pure dirt. A man in the 60s moved out there. He had a vision. He had a dream. And it's... When you look at Salvation Mountain, if you Google Salvation Mountain, you'll see this area that looks like nothing and this big mound of dirt that doesn't really look like a mountain. However, it's a pretty unbelievable story about a man that moved out to the desert and started building a mountain. It reminds me of the literature in I believe it's Muhammad that has a quote that says if the mountain won't come to Muhammad then Muhammad must go to the mountain. This guy built a mountain with all kinds of paint and debris. He turned, he made a mountain. It's pretty fascinating to look at and think about. It's, I recommend everybody check it out. It's called Salvation Mountain. And it's pretty amazing, the more that I think about it. So, back to where I was here. On my idea of salvation, I've, I've seen it a few times, salvation. It's fleeting. Just a passing glance is all I saw. Once when I was young at Salvation Mountain in Slab City while walking through the tunnels of the second mountain, not the one that collapsed. Once I saw it somewhere between the ideas of Viktor Frankl and Marshall McLuhan. I tried to leave a bookmark. I tried to create a memory that I could always return to. Somewhere between Viktor Frankl and Marshall McLuhan. The idea of finding the meaningful message in the medium. But when I returned to my bookshelf, when I returned to the place that I left the bookmark in my mind, it had been snatched away by a thief in the night. I found nothing but monotonous dribble left in the spot where I left it. From time to time, I can see it, even pull up next to it, engage with it on high doses of psilocybin. But when I look, when I really look for it, it always eludes me. It is in times of quiet contemplation that I can see it out of the corner of my eye. Like one of those little floaters. The more you try to focus on it, the more it runs away from you. It's true with a lot of things in life, isn't it? Death makes angels of us all and gives us wings where we once had shoulders sharp as raven claws. So, in my book, I'm talking quite a bit about neuroplasticity. 
in the mind of a child, and I am trying to explain both functional and structural neuroplasticity. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, well, why do you just explain it then, George? You just use your words to do it. Well, I'm trying to do it in a different way. In the book, I want to show what could possibly be happening inside my head in real time. Right? I want to explain the thought process of structural and functional neuroplasticity. I know what you're thinking. Like, how the fuck are you going to do that? Well, thanks. First off, it's a great question. Thanks for asking. I'm going to give you a little shot here of what what it is here, okay? So, I've gone down quite a bit in the story. Okay, that would take too long, so... The process of structural plasticity. Of I should fix that. The process of... In neuroplasticity, the process of structural plasticity may have begun by the engine of traumatic necessity to process relevant information in alternative locations. However, the new highway, the new connection of neural networks, retraction, regeneration, and remodeling of synapses, spines, and axons was made possible by the relentless pursuit of meaning. Does that even make sense to you guys? Should I try to read it again? Okay, let me read that again. Does this make any sense? I think it does, but I need to work it out of my head. The process of structural plasticity may have begun by the engine of traumatic necessity to process relevant information in alternative locations. You know what I mean by that? So, I'm what I'm trying to really get across is that in the process of functional neuroplasticity, so I need to change it. That's not functional plasticity is when you process information in a part of the brain that you normally wouldn't. So let's say I try and process um I try and process equations in in the visual cortex. You know, do you think you can do that? Do you think do you listening to this right now? Do you believe that you can choose to interpret information in different parts of your brain than where it immediately goes to? Like you're all wired up, right? Like you got Broca's area for speech, you got the visual cortex, you have this thing called the default the default mode network that just sends everything where it's supposed to go and wired up a certain way. I believe that you can change that process. I think that through quiet contemplation and a sort of forced synesthesia that you can begin to process stuff in one part of the brain that you normally don't. It's a lot like, you know, if you're right-handed, it's a lot like writing with your left hand. And if you're left-handed, it's a lot like writing with your right hand. You know, it's very obtuse in the beginning. However, if you continue to do it, you can begin to get better at it. And I think it's the same thing for 
processing information in your brain. I think you can send it to different spots. I know you're thinking like, no, you can't, George. Why not? You just have to, you have to understand the world different. You have to choose to see it different. Let me give you an example. What's the square root of yellow? Right? What is the square root of yellow? What does the rough, what a rough texture smell like? See, there's all kinds of these, these particular types of mental exercises that you can begin doing and focusing on that will train your brain to interpret different ideas in different parts of the brain. Like just think for a minute. You could the first one is 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 a good starter. What is the square root of yellow? Are you with me? Like how would you do that? How would you begin to use not only your words but the category of algebra? How would you begin to use the mathematic process to find out about a color? Well, you would. one way you might do it is by understanding at what frequency yellow is, right? If it's on a spectrum and each color is a different wave, if every, it has a different wavelength, you could find out what wavelength yellow is. And then you could put that into like a, like a, you could break it down into numbers, right? Like, let's say it's, I don't know, I should probably look that up and tell you, but since I don't have a way to do that and I'm kind of free-flowing right here, let's just say that, let's just say that yellow is five on the spectrum. Okay, well, now we have a number, right? So, you know, what would be the square root of five? That's probably not the total equation, but you can see the process you're on. You start breaking down the color yellow into it, the algebraic ingredients. And now once you have these ingredients, you can put those ingredients into the formula and solve the formula. And now you have come up with a number and you can find the square root of that. Well, what would that mean? What would it mean once you figured out the square root of yellow? I don't know. Maybe you have to figure out the square root of orange and red. Maybe you got to look at the square root of every primary color. Maybe once you figured out the square root of every primary color, maybe once you did that, you can start seeing patterns. And wouldn't it be interesting if those patterns, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if there was a relationship in those patterns? Right? What if the What if those numbers, what if the, the, like a light yellow, like the tone of yellow, has the same frequency as the sound when you say yellow? What if when I say yellow, that frequency is the same frequency as the color yellow on the light wave? Right? What about that? What if all primary colors are the same? What happens when you mix primary colors? Are the tones the same? See, that's that's part of this idea, this bigger picture I have about our language. Like that's all connected. 
We're just not seeing it that way. This is why I recommend like really high doses of psilocybin. You can see colors at that at that level, like at seven or eight or you know ten grams of a really strong psilocybin trip. You can see frequencies and you can hear colors. It's just the problem is at those high doses, it's really difficult to bring anything back. But if you're if you're really focused and you you have your notes in front of you, you can. Or better yet, you can record what you're talking about. You know, I I think that in that state, you can receive information from somewhere else. I mean, that's, that's, don't take that from me. Take that from Terrence McKenna. Take that from Jimmy, you know, Jimmy, who's the greatest guitarist of all time? Come on, man. Come on, man. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, so... So, yes, that, that's that's where I was going. I started with salvation, and then we moved into plasticity. Okay, and that, I believe that... we were That's functional plasticity. Functional plasticity is when you are... You are analyzing information in different parts of your brain than usually would. Structural plasticity... That's when you actually change the shape of your brain, right? And I know what you're thinking, like, what? You can't change the shape of your brain, you big dummy. No, you can. You don't change the outside shape of your brain, which really, let me just take a quick tangent here. You know the picture of, uh, I think it was by Michelangelo, and it's in... Gosh, I should know this. But it's the picture of Michelangelo where God is in the cloud and he's reaching his finger down and he's touching Adam. Okay, go look at that picture. The cloud in which God, who is reaching out his hand, the the that photo. Are you with me? Where you know, you know the one I'm talking about, where the two hands are touching fingers? You know what I mean? By Michelangelo in one of those Roman cathedrals. Okay, in that picture. Just look at the cloud in which God is floating. It's a brain. There's no mistaking it. It's not even it's not even possible to be a mistake. It's the unbelievable, undeniable symbolism that was in the great art of the past that we're never taught about. Imagine one of the greatest painters of all times defying the church. By painting a picture in the most holiest of holies that claims everything about it is wrong. It's like the ultimate Banksy. (laughs) Michelangelo was the ultimate Banksy. (laughs) That's pretty funny. It's pretty funny if you think about it. Okay, so back to structural plasticity. Now, I don't mean you would change the shape of your brain from like a, you know, like a half an oval that with like a mullet. You wouldn't change it from that into a square. Like your brain doesn't change that way. That's not structural plasticity. Structural plasticity would be like inside your brain, all the, you know, maybe the synapse, the synapses 
which is the synaptic gap, which is the space between the two dendrites. Like maybe those dendrites get longer and they get shorter and they change spines and they get closer and they see when they change their shape, they secrete different types of neurotransmitters. And those neurotransmitters maybe change their shape. I think it, I read that in one of the books I was, I should be documenting that, but that's what I mean. Like the, the, Death and rebirth of dendritic spines. The closing off of and the narrowing and the widening of the synaptic gap. The continued folding of white matter. The new neural pathways that are being carved like fresh tracks on an early January ski trip. You see, this is how structural plasticity works. And what happens when your brain when when your brain is changing its shape? Like, what the fuck are you thinking when your brain is changing its fucking shape? Well, the question is, I mean, that's the good question. Like, what the fuck are you thinking when that happens? In my book, I address that. Like, I believe that that is, in fact, the process of learning. When you learn something, but more importantly, when you have like an epiphany or an insight, boom, pa, goo, at that moment, snap. The moment you have that insight is the moment a new dendritic spine is born. Or when you, as soon as you have that insight, it's the first time the neurotransmitter has been received in the synaptic gap of the new dendrite. You know, I, I think there's something to be said about that. And if that's the case, and that's my hypothesis, then you can facilitate that. You can create that. And more than that, you can begin to imagine it. You know, and it's like a, it's like a, it's like a loop. Once you begin to understand that and notice it, you can create it. Does that kind of make sense? That's where I'm going with this. I know I'm, it's kind of getting out there, but I mean, who else am I going to tell? Who the fuck else am I going to tell? In the middle of the goddamn night, who else, is gonna, who else am I going to tell? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you because I love you. By the way, if you're listening to this, you're you're such an amazing person. I bet you're all handsome, or I bet you're beautiful. I bet you have all kinds of friends. And let's get yourself a little pat on the back right now. Oh, George, I'm serious. You're you're amazing. Are you smiling? Look in the mirror and tell tell yourself how awesome you are. All right, just do it, because you are amazing. Don't ever forget that. Okay, so conscious functional neuroplasticity. This is achieved by overriding the default mode network through practiced, abstract thought. I believe that we can choose to process information in different parts of the brain with a series of mental exercises such as, what is the square root of yellow? How many different colors can you see when you listen to someone recite your favorite poem? How did you create all the books in your library? And why is there the letter A in the title of all the blue ones? What texture 
smells the same as it sounds, but tastes the opposite. Okay? Just focus on a few of those bad boys for a minute, all right? It is a bit like using the opposite hand to write. Obtuse, meticulous, at times a bit ridiculous. However, practice will be rewarded with the experience of congruent harmony. If the tones of music and color can be synonymous, does that not make them interchangeable? The same algebraic ingredients in the primary colors are the same ingredients used by the blind men, each touching a different part of the elephant. Perhaps, 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 a better example is to examine the way in which the cuttlefish can radically change its shape to be absorbed into the surrounding environment. Have you guys seen that? It's fucking amazing. Look it up. It'll blow your mind. How does it do that? Why does it do that? It can change into almost anything. I've seen one change into a checkerboard. Like, think about that. It's like an alien. But this is this fits right in here to my... Like, I'm going off script here. Let me let me just let me back it up. Okay. Perhaps a better example is to examine the way in which the cuttlefish can radically change its shape to be absorbed into the surrounding environment. So can we change the shape of our brain to better fit ourselves in our surrounding environment? You guys think that's true? Okay, so imagine the cuttlefish coming down onto the reef, being threatened, and boom, changing its shape into what looks like a giant snail shell. Right? If it's good, then the shark that passes it won't eat it. But if it's a shitty rendition, adios cuttlefish. You didn't camouflage yourself good enough. Is that not what we do? Do we not try to change ourselves to fit into the environment so we don't get hit by the hammer? Right? Tall poppy syndrome. Like a lot of people don't want to stand up because they don't want to be eaten. They don't want to say something because they're afraid. The same way the cuttlefish is afraid. Just wants to cuddle. You know what I mean? See, I would argue that the cuttlefish is the closest we can get to watching neuroplasticity in real time. It changes its color, shape, and even texture. In doing so, it transforms itself as well as the environment around it. Is that not what we as humans do? Increasing blood flow, retracting, extending dendritic spines changing shapes of neurotransmitters as well as the receptors. Our brain manipulates color, shape, and texture, both within us as well as what we see in our environment, that that is around us. It does this in order for us to transform ourselves as well as the environment around us. I think 
therefore I am crazy. Well, that's what I got for now. Like I said, I'm trying to work it out. Um, thank you for taking a moment to listen to this. If any part of this was interesting to you, if any part of this was something that you agree with or disagree with, let me know. Let me know. Reach out to me and tell me, George, that's fucking bullshit, you dummy. Or be like, you know what, George? That's crazy. I never thought about that. But regardless of what you think of me, know this. There's a stranger sitting in a truck in the middle of nowhere in Hawaii. And I'm talking to you right now. I love you, goddammit. I don't know who you are or what you're up to, but I love you. And you are capable of doing amazing things. People need you. The world needs you to be better. The world needs you to stand up for yourself and the people around you that love you. All right? I'm thinking about you. Have a great night. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone the world is a crazy place and if you listen to your heart and you take some chances I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine I've been doing the podcast for about five years last year I decided to take the plunge well circumstances dictated that I took the plunge and I did I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, Go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.